Welcome to another fun video panel watch party with the HR Social Hour. Uh, it's Wendy without John. Um, unfortunately, John uh, fell ill and is not able to join us tonight, but we decided to continue forward with the show um, with the real recruiters um, and not someone who just happens to do it um, still. Because we are talking about recruiting tonight and that fun recruiting during and after a recession. And uh, everyone on this panel has been recruiting through uh, three recessions. Um, we did. We were all here after 9-11 uh, in 2008. And right now, because um, who could have imagined that we would be recruiting in the middle of a pandemic and a recession? Um, so that just gives us a whole new um, level of fun to, to recruiting. Um, but because we are experienced through this, we have gone through it. Um, we were likely newbies when we started during the first recession. So we've had some time to learn from mistakes in the past. And this is our opportunity to pass some wisdom down to um, other new recruiters, other people new to human resources on how can we do this better. Um, because I don't know about my fellow panelists, but um, the first two shots through it, I don't think we did very well. <laughs> I think we could make some big changes. Um, and so I'm excited to have this conversation with you guys. Um, you've all been on the HR Social Hour or HR Wonder Women or both in Tiffany's case. Um, and so uh, I will let you guys do a quick introduction of yourselves and then we'll kind of dive in. So uh, we will start with Kirsten. Hi everyone, I am Kirsten Greggs, the trap recruiter. Uh, Tiffany. Hello everyone, this is Tiffany Keel and I am in Minneapolis, St. Paul, have been recruiting and doing HR stuff for 20 plus years. And last but not least, Josh. Hey guys, uh, Josh Rock. I'm a recruiter with Fairview Health in Minneapolis. Uh, I'm a recovering HR vendor turned recruiter. I love it. All right, well, it would not be the HR social hour if we did not start with what's in your glass tonight. So, Kirsten. Nothing. <laughs> you and me, yeah, unfortunately. That, not good, Kirsten, not good. Not off to a good start, buddy. Honey, honey you gotta level up. <laughs> No. <laughs> Tiffany, what are you drinking? This is um, a a local beer. So I'm 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 drinking local, shopping local. I masked up when I got in here, but I, I can't drink this through my mask. So <laughs> hey, that, as long as you're seated and in your spot, you're all good. You're golden. And Tiffany, I've actually seen it done. Uh, T.J. Oshie of the Washington Capitals, when they won the Stanley Cup, was known for drinking his beer through his jersey. So it can be done. Oh wow! Yeah, uh, tonight's beverage, uh, but for my good friend Smith and Forge hard cider. It's just what I had in my fridge. Um, feel free to check them out. Buy your favorite cider and/or sours. You know, it's all good. Nice. I love it. I love it. I'm actually I'm on flavored water tonight. I uh, just got back from running kids around. So. I will likely have a nice rosé when we're done here. <laughs> Good call. All right, so let's get a little bit of history in and um, kind of talk about, we'll go through um, where you were working, what industry, and then how long um, had you been recruiting in 2001 and then in 2008. 
I'll start. Um, I was in the airline industry at 9-11. So um, I had been recruiting for about a year <laughs> and that was the end of that. Um, and then in 2008, I was doing recruitment slash generalist type work for a hospital in Montana. Um, and now I am in talent acquisition at a large healthcare um, organization in South Dakota. So um, most of my duties have revolved around talent acquisition since uh, I would have been like 2000 when I officially started in, in recruitment. Um, yay. Oh, I'm going to jump right to Tiffany. Let's switch it up a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So I like I have I, my career in HR actually started in um, corporate training and then went through a short stint in employee development, corporate training, um, uh, generalist, and then migrated fully into talent acquisition. And um, at this point in time, in 2011. 2001 or September 10th, September 11th, um, I was more in a, a generalist and employee development role, but did have recruiting responsibilities. Um, so I was, I was with a, a smaller organization, um, a, a, a not-for-profit, um, about 500 employees. Um, what were you doing in 2008? In 2008, um, I was probably in a dive bar somewhere drinking a cold beer wallowing in my sorrows about how difficult it was to recruit <laughs> <laughs> so like today then yeah so actually i was i was with a a large um a large international global multinational however you want to put it multi-billion dollar organization leading staffing efforts and and recruiting and we had at the time got you know because um, of what was taking place. There were furloughs, there were conversations about how we cut costs, there were you know, lots of cost controls being put into place to manage headcount. And it was really um, you know, difficult to, to you know, be in a recruiting leadership role and working with the recruiting teams and saying, okay, well, now that we have this downtime, let's figure out some other things to do. Um, but we were really, you know, we, we had scaled back on recruiting and really were working with the business to then just say, okay, how do we take this, this time to pause and, you know, revamp, revise, rebuild our, our strategies, but then also focusing on those critical roles, those hard to fill positions, the, those roles that we know we can't run a business without. Uh, how about you, Josh? So um, I'm actually coming from a little bit different angle. I was in I was in the HR vendor space at that time, um, listening and helping solve those issues of the recruiters, the hiring leaders, from SMB up to Fortune 500 across the country. Um, and so I was listening to the struggles and trying to provide the tools and the tactics and the tips to help them pivot. Um, I then moved into recruitment directly um, after getting through two of those recessions um, and flipped to becoming a recruiter. Um, impact the change directly from inside versus from the outside um, through product offerings. And, you know, what I was seeing going through it, I was, I was seeing the big disconnect from HR and the candidates being from the outside because it was easy to see. You could see the glaring differences. Um, 
And when I switched, I took the, you know, some of the best and some of the worst and put them together um, and helped change teams and how they approached how they were going to recruit, train, engage, um, and empower their teams going forward. Um, that brought me to where I'm at now at Fairview. I've been here now five years um, and constantly finding new ways to, to kind of go through that. Now in healthcare, when do you know this directly? you know, being shut down really, really impacted what is normally a recession-proof industry. Mm-hmm. Healthcare doesn't normally get impacted um, in this way, but everything got shut down. Um, care was was dead stopped, except for those that were already in and on facility. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're, we're battling through that now. People need healthcare, want healthcare, and now we've got to start it back up and put people in place, those care providers back into where they can deliver that care and lead towards healthier tomorrows. And so it's, it's been different. It's been a lot of changing, a lot of shifting, a lot of changing of ideas and processes to get this going again. And Kirsten. So it's September 11th, 2001. Um, I had been recruiting for um, a little over a year. Um, so over, I started working the first, I started recruiting the first day of January that was a work day in 2000. And <laughs> I had ju- I had 10 months before transitioned from a staffing company to one of our 8A government contracting um, customers as their in-house, you know, one of their in-house recruiters. And September 11th um, came and uh, because we were not heavy in the defense Side, we were more so on the um, support, um, you know, support side doing more low level things. I was actually impacted and lost my job in like that November. Um, I was part of layoffs. Like they had to cut some someone from every department. There were only four recruiters, and I guess I pulled the the short. <laughs> Um, and that was fine. Um, fast forward to 2008, I was working for one of the largest uh, defense contractors whose motto was support the warfighter. So in 2008 came, that was not so much a problem for me um, because of the customers that I supported. Um, I did support the defense and intel groups heavily that were on the, the front lines. Um and then today, um, well, I've been working for myself for uh, almost three years, and my work has slowed down in the sense of um, recruiting, putting butts in seats, but my talent acquisition work um, has shifted some. Mm-hmm. I'm doing more consulting work, <laughs> doing more uh thought work, doing more of these type of <laughs> wonderful things, talking to people about how to survive this. So I've, I come fully equipped and fully prepared, and, and I'm happy to be sharing this space with all of you because uh, I think we all collectively have about 103,000 years of <laughs> Yeah. Like Wendy and I started at the same time, uh, almost near each other <laughs> years ago yeah <laughs> when i was four yeah. right yes we were child prodigies um yeah you start somebody was talking about you know 20 years ago it was just 
it was just 9-11 and that, you know, I'm like, oh, let's know. Oh my God. Tomorrow, 19 years tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And I still wow. remember Crazy. yesterday, the things that, oh, absolutely. things that our generation has experienced and, and gone through and survived is um, pretty amazing. We're going to have some great stories when we're 80 and in the nursing homes. <laughs> I have great stories now. I mean, true. <laughs> True. Yeah. You know, you start thinking about it, you you know, and I talk with my kids about, you know, 9-11 and some of those things. And it's like, that's like ancient history to them because Mm -hmm. it was before they were born. Um, So it's, yeah, you know, and you you think about some of the things that, and that's all during our adult lifetime. You know, that's the, that's the kicker to me. I'm like, oh, that's, it's it's not like talking about like the Challenger explosion or things that happened when you were a kid. This is like, it affected you so much differently as an adult. Um, yeah, that, that call about getting laid off was just because I, it was a call. I wasn't, my, my boss after 9-11, he was in Chicago. I was in Denver. Um, and you didn't have video conferences or anything at that time. Um, so I guess I should be happy that I got a call and not a letter. <laughs> For sure. Absolutely. You know, so I think, or a text or a text. Um, well, I think I had, uh, we had termination by Snapchat. I I had a, I had a pager, you know, for those recruitment emergencies. (laughs) Nine one one. Right. Going way back, way back. Um, you know, so, you know, so we've talked a little bit about, we've had some layoffs, we've had, you know, slowdowns in hirings. Um, what are some of the other things that you guys have seen during the last two recessions, um, the one after 9-11 and 2008, that, that organizations did to kind of, um, you know, get through it? What are, you know, are there, or, you know, most of them, you know, in 2011, mostly what I saw was layoffs. Um, in the last recession, I saw some furloughs, I saw some freezes, but didn't see much other change. Did you guys see anything different during the last two recessions? I think it's been a mix of the same, um, you know, layoffs in certain organizations, rolling furloughs and others. I mean, we've had uh, rolling furloughs, you know, my parents went in, in their industries, had rolling furloughs. Um, you know, my dad was in, in Sioux Falls, right in your backyard, Wendy, mm-hmm. um, you know, at the Argus Leader and oh. Gannett was doing rolling furloughs and, you know, on a quarterly basis. Yeah. You know, and so, um, you know, you just kind of, you, you cinched up the belt and you went along with the ride. Um, some people would leave the organizations and try to find something new. Some people would um, add additional roles in retail or something like that to bridge the financial gap. Um, you know, everybody kind of just tried to get through what they could. I, I definitely saw some differences. I mean, living here in the D.C. metro area during September 11th was... Um, was major because I think a lot of us, you know, had either a family member or, you know, a friend, a neighbor, someone who was directly impacted by what happened specifically at the Pentagon, Um, especially, like I said, and then being in my industry. So I had coworkers who didn't have a place to go to work. Um, And the rebuild took a, you know, took a pretty long time. I remember uh, my next job, you know, after I had gotten laid off and this was now, um, this was, you know, a year later, um, you know, I remember 
I had a contract at the Pentagon um, and they hadn't rebuilt, you know, so like there was, so when I would go see the, go see my contractors or, you know, go and try and talk to the contracting officer to see how folks were doing or to see if we could, you know, get some additional staff added to the contract. And I want to have lunch. We couldn't like, we couldn't go to the place where, where you normally were, you know, like there was still like construction and places, you know, that were uh, blocked off. So it was a whole like shift in, in how we, in how we did things in 2008. Like I said, because of, because of the, the folks that I supported, I think there was a sense of like, I'm doing something like, because I'm employed, like, I have a sense of duty. I have a sense to like protect my country and to, you know, make sure that everything is okay. Like I'm part of a rebuild. I'm part of, you know, I'm one of the good guys. So, so there was that sense, especially if you, if you, if you lasted through it. Now, you know, there have been some smaller ones, especially like uh, working in defense contracting, like I have been for, you know, most of my career where, where our government customers had had shutdowns and when they had and having to deal with that, like having to tell your employees, you know, hundreds at a time that, you know, you're going to get, we'll pay you for the next two weeks. And then we don't know, you know, and kind of like, Oh, and be ready to come back or, (laughs) Oh, um, the, well, the government's not paying us, so we're not paying you. You know, those type of things are are are, are kind of difficult uh, to manage and to deal with. And I think it it leaves a taste in folks' mouth. I know some people who have who have left government contracting or have left the government or have you know have left working because because of those things. They they just don't see the stability, and they've moved on to to do other things so that they don't have to deal with that. You know, every time something like like this happens. Um, I definitely see the difference right now. It's, it's odd for me, um, for people like I'm, I'm paying a lot of attention to how I, how I am dealing with it. I'm paying a lot of attention to the, you know, elitist and classist and pretty much sucky stuff. I was <laughs> So, do you see how I did that? I was like, you can totally uncensor yourself. Yeah, we'll be okay. Don't unblow my image, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so, I I am paying attention to those things, and and don't get me wrong, like I wasn't being a complete jerk, you know. I wasn't fitting the you know the stereotype, you know. I come the stereotype that folks have for recruiters all the time. But I was seeing little things that I was doing, like expecting, you know, expecting certain things, like the level, like for someone to be on camera all the time. You know, we can't expect that. We can't expect equity in in that sense. Like everyone does not have the same access. Everyone is not going to be able to talk to you when you want to talk to them. And, and like, we can't expect that. And, and, things like that. Like I should know better because I'm used to dealing with people who work in secure facilities. And I know that I have the hour that they're at lunch and I have their ride to work and their ride home to get the best, you know, to get their, you know, their best from them. So I started to pay attention to some of the habits and some of the, you know, kind of like, um, you know, like you, you have to come to me. Um, I think this, this pandemic like has really leveled, um, 
the playing field from the sense that job seekers and employers are both trying to figure things out. And unless we extend grace to one another, we are not going to make it. Like, we're not. We've got an unemployment rate of 10.2%, and we're still talking about there's a talent shortage. Like, make it, make, what did they say? Make it make sense. Like, right. it makes sense. Like, we've, we've got a lot of work to do. Oh, yeah. The, oh, we could probably go on for hours on that, that talent shortage, skill shortage piece mm-hmm. of it. Um, Tiffany, what did, what did you see in the past two recessions that was, um, you know, maybe a little bit out of the ordinary than what was expected? I think, you know, I think what's different now, you know, Kirsten's, you know, talking about the, the access that, that people do or don't have. Um, I think what's different about what we're experiencing now is that so many people and I, I hesitate to say all, but a lot of people have access to technology. I mean, here we are, we're in, we're literally in four different places having a conversation all together. Um, we, we can continue to have business conversations. We can still recruit. Um, technology has, has enabled us to continue to, to still do some of the work that, that we absolutely have to get done. So I think that's a little bit different with our current state versus, you know, 2001, 2008. Um, and I, I think there are probably fewer jobs, meaning there, there have been more furloughs, there have been more layoffs, there have been more reductions because of the, the state that we're in now versus, you know, 19 years ago and, you know, 11 years ago. So there are some, uh, you know, some differences. And I, I think what, what this will teach employers is how to, how to be a little bit more thoughtful and strategic about how they're managing their business. And for recruiters, it's being, again, a little bit more thoughtful and strategic about how we are going about doing our recruiting. Are we, are we you know, going to continue to lay people off? Are we going to do furloughs? Or are we going to continue business as usual, knowing that we can work anywhere? We, we, can, you know, we can do all of these same things no matter where we are in the world because we have this, this ability to still maintain connection. Yeah, I think that's that's true. You know, we have the technology is so different because I was trying to remember if I even had a smartphone in 2008 or I'm pretty right. sure I still had a flip phone. Um. <laughs> right. And I think there, there's a there's a, a little bit of a difference, I think, emotionally for what we're experiencing now versus what we experienced 19 years ago. I mean, we literally were attacked. I mean, and it just it. And as sad as it is, it brought people together. So there was this coming together that, I mean, we don't necessarily have now. So the, the way that businesses approached um, how they were doing business and how they were recruiting, I think there was something a little bit more gentle about it than what we're experiencing now. No, I think you're, I think you're, you're right there, Tiffany. It's, it, it, you know, I, I, I thought at the beginning of the, the pandemic, 
I was starting to compare it in my head to 9-11. That's kind of where I thought we would be going as far as a country and, you know, organizations and such. Well, and one, it's much lasted much longer. Um, even with the rebuilds and everything that went on, you know, we haven't had a chance to, to stop and do that. But I know in some cases, like, you know, Josh, I know your organization, my organization, we never actually stopped recruiting. We slowed it down a little bit, but um, not a lot. We, we did a lot. Of, we moved people around. I think one of the good things we were able to do on the healthcare side is we, were, we reskilled people and we got them into different positions and helping out and even in HR. Um, some of my coworkers in talent acquisition are now in employee relations because they went to help and they decided to stay. <laughs> so, you know, I think that's one of the th- things that I've seen that's different this time around is there seems to be a little more willingness to move people around, to reskill. Um, you know, we're seeing grant money coming in um, to states for doing some of that. Um, the tech schools in South Dakota have a, they're calling it the upskill program. Um, hard to get into, (laughs) but it is, it gives you an option, you know, especially if you're looking for something entry level. So what are some of the changes that things like that, that you guys have seen or you're doing in your organizations, um, maybe taking some lessons learned from the past, um, past two recessions on how we can, you know, because I know the four of us have talked about how do we make this better. <laughs> so are we taking the opportunity to make things a little bit better? How, how are we doing? Um, what do you guys, what are you seeing out there too? I know our, our organization, much like yours, Wendy, um, you know, we've redeployed is the word we use all the time. Um, taking somebody from one uh, clinical specialty and putting them into another that's actually functioning and providing care um, or just, working with the general public, getting them tested for COVID and processing those tests. Um, But one of the big groups that we got that was impacted weren't even our employees. They were the students, those that were coming to our hospitals and our clinics in a clinical education capacity to finish their uh, higher education learning and skill building. So that way they can be professionals shortly thereafter. That dead stopped. And they need those in order to get their licensure. And so we came up with creative ways to get them through those necessary hours um, and still be able to graduate on time, um, test on time so that we can hire them and put them right to work in providing that care. You know, so that was a really good pivot on our, on our end. Uh, we couldn't put them everywhere. Um, we put them in some of the more high risk or areas that, that were still functioning, senior care being one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, we took nursing students um, and offered them uh, nursing assistant positions where they could still provide elements of care, um, get the hours needed so they could, they could continue that, that path. Um, we still hire at a high clip. We're still hundred to 150 hires a week. Um, it's, it's crazy, you know, for being a, a regional healthcare organization, um, to be able to do that volume in a pandemic during a, a you know, an economic recession, um, with high, I mean, just, it's just crazy. Um, but all hands on deck, you know, we changed processes, we changed onboarding processes. Uh, we changed, you know, learning, you know, opportunities. We, we obviously like everybody increased the amount of remote work capabilities, which in healthcare was not existent. Um, very little in healthcare was remote because guess what? Patients want you on site. Shocking enough. Um, you know, and so whatever could go remote, went 
and may stay remote. Um, you know, as we work through the the budget crunches of our organization. So, you know, we're pivoting, we're, we're putting our creative hats on and uh, making sure that patients don't see the hiccups because in our industry, unlike many people don't want to come to us, they need to come to us because something doesn't feel good. So it's a little bit of a different shift, you know, in comparison to some other industries. Yeah. Yeah. I think with the remote stuff, one of the things that we've talked about is, how much money could organizations save if you didn't have those cube farms where people were driving into every day? Right. You have to heat and cool and, you know, yep. crazy. And I think that's a, I think that's a huge revelation and awakening for a lot of organizations that have been historically adamant about butts and seats without having any sort of justification beyond this is the way we've always done it. Um, to the, the original question, Wendy, I think quite honestly, I think we grew complacent. Um, you know, when we had, you know, 2001, 2008, and then things kind of went, went quote unquote, back to normal. And the reason I say we got complacent is because this hit and then suddenly people are like, well, shit, where is my uh, emergency response plan? Why on God's green earth do you not already have one? <laughs> Right. It just it mind, you know, we're risk management, safe work in, environment. Why aren't these things already in existence? And suddenly people are, are scrambling and you don't need something specific to each and every pandemic or each and every recession. You need a framework so that when something like this does happen, you can pivot and respond. You, you, instead of reacting, you can actually have a planful response. So I, I really think that, you know, as things did turn around after 08, 09, organizations got complacent and said, yeah, we're good. We're, we're fine. Yep, we'll, we'll remember all this stuff, you know, should it happen again, but it, it probably won't. And here, we, you know, Gen X and, and millennials and then everyone behind us, you know, going through all of these things all within their lifetime. You know, it's, we, we need to be better prepared than, than we have been. We need to, to learn from the mistakes of, of the past. And that, you know, as, as Josh is talking about some of the different things that have been done, one of those, those things that I think employers are now looking to do is how do we respond when things like this happen? Do we completely shut recruiting off or do we continue to recruit knowing that, we're going to have some hybrid jobs. We're going to have some stretch assignments. We're going to, you know, put, you know, employees in different roles to make sure the work is still being done and we're still able to employ our, our, our teams. Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, I think you're right there. We really did get complacent and just kept kind of went, this is how it's always going to be. But if you look at history, there's always a recession around the corner, you know, that's just how, how the cycles work. So I think, um, you know, one of the things that I'm hoping is, you know, now we're, we're smack dab in the middle of it with the pandemic and everything else, but, you know, what are some things that we can do differently? Um, you know, I, I think about salaries and how they kind of stagnated because, oh, there's a recession. So we don't, we're not going to adjust salaries. Well, we can't move up. We can't get out of it. We get out of it faster when there's more money flowing. Um, so I, yeah, I think you're, um, you've got some, Got figured out. 
we can do better. We can't just, I, that's my worry is that we'll just kind of fall back into those, those old patterns, those old comfortable patterns. Um, I, I don't think we can fall back this time uh, because with the other, with the other instances, I mean, they were, we, we built our, our coop and our, and our disaster recovery off of an, off of a one time event. So again, I can speak from the industry that I'm most closely tied to. And, you know, it became, you know, we were, we were training our, our disaster was what if there's a shooter, you know, Mm -hmm. what if someone comes into our office? So, you know, now we're teaching people how to get out of the building. If you can't, how to get safe and all that, but tomorrow you can come back to this place, Mm -hmm. you know, or, or a few days you know, or a week, you know, it's not going to be an extended amount of time that you're gone. I don't think anyone, anyone assumed or thought or even thought forward to, this is going to be an extended amount of time. And there were enough of, you know, organizations that had people who were uh, either a hybrid or, you know, 100% remote that, especially from a recruiting standpoint, that they did not call on you know, that they did not lean on for how, how do you do this? How do we do this? Like, what do you do? Like you clearly self-manage, you know, we keep you on the, on the books because you're doing your job. So help us. Like they didn't do that. They just said, Oh, people are working from home. So I've got to have you on camera all day long. I've got to, (laughs) all of your phone screens are now video. What? Be dressed up. No, <laughs> like, don't, to, don't forget to put your shoes on while you're at home. I don't want to look at you. I, all day. I was doing phone screens from the office. Why do I have to be on video now? Right. Exactly. Right. That makes no sense. That becomes an issue. And again, I think we we're only thinking about. I think what we we've, we've learned is that we're a lot of us, and and I speak for myself specifically. Like we we only thought about ourselves. You know like how I work in this type of situation. But given the fact that I've done enough where folks are sitting in their cars or where they're, you know, literally like I've met so many wonderful young people because they've been at my meetings, you know, <laughs> they're like what's happened. And it doesn't bother me, but I can see how there are some, how there are some people who are like, Oh, like your coworkers, like, Oh, their kids are always screaming. Their dog is barking. They're knocking stuff over. Like I said, like I've had kids that like come and like knock the whole thing over. They're typing. You know, I, I get to know what they ate that day. You know, <laughs> my favorite t-shirt. I'm like, congratulations. <laughs> you know, so I mean, I've, I've, I've adjusted to that. And I've worked from home. I've worked remotely for three, for three years. So That part wasn't a big deal for me, but what I have had to adjust is the fact that everyone doesn't have their own space. Everyone doesn't have an office they can go work in. Everyone doesn't have the same amount of time that they can devote to, um, you know, being fully present. And it says a lot about the way that we work. I mean, even when I I, I say this to folks and I'll say to you guys, I was like, I need y'all to get out of my office. And what I (laughs) It's like when I did work, when I did work inside of inside of the company, like I would have be in my office and I even have a little thing. It's in my office downstairs. Now I had a little placard that says this is the quiet corner because I was the door that everyone knocked on when they wanted to hide that whatever. I'm like, go sit in the corner. I'm working. 
So, you know, now when everybody's like, ring, 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 can you get on Google Meet? Can you get on Skype? Can you get on Zoom? And I'm like, can you get out of my office? Like, I'm trying to work. Amen to that. Yeah. I'm sorry, Mr. Mr. Rock. Like, Josh has the best recruiter name and like the whole, like, <laughs> Josh Rock. Like, you cannot do that. I'm very, very, very jealous. Like it worked well on country radio. I'll tell you that. You, you, you know what? Were, were you? Are you like a country radio announcer or something? I did for a short time out of college. I worked for a radio group up here in uh, Central Minnesota. <laughs> I can like you have a great like radio voice. So mm -hmm. I can do that. I love. I have it. a face for it too. I, I, like that you, I like that you said radio voice and not radio face. I love yeah. that. Yeah, I have. Yeah. I definitely have the face for radio. <laughs> words in my mouth, Tiffany. That's I, I, I didn't. I was acknowledging that what you did not say. Listen. No. That's why I love Tiffany. Yeah. <sighs> love it. No, but I think, you know, you're one of the things that I have found. Um, so I, I'm in a cube, cube farm and working at home is so much nicer because it's quiet and I'm not hearing 25 other conversations going on. Um, but I've also been, we've also found more intentional times to have those water cooler conversations that people say that that's why we need to be back, back in the office because you're missing those one-off conversations. Like, well, no, you still do. You, you just schedule them now. And now you're not interrupting somebody's time. Right. You're scheduling it to say, you know, I did that with one of my coworkers. I was like, Hey, can we have a brainstorming session? Let's throw some time on the calendar and have a brainstorming session. So I think we need, you know, and just like with recruiting, how can we do this differently? Um, but I love what you said, Kristen, Kirsten, about um, we didn't ask the people who've been doing it. Remote's been around, you know, remote's not new. So we didn't go and ask the people, how are you doing it? How are you making it work? How can we scale it? No, we definitely, so that, definitely not scaling it. Um, no. I, I thought about, um, Tiffany mentioned, Something about that, something about this, like changing the way people work and all that. But you know, one of the one of the groups that I was most worried about at the beginning of the pandemic uh, were the early careers and the interns because I work closely with them in my, you know, on the other side of my business, and I was happy that you know a lot of a lot of the interns still were able to to do their internships, you know, they were remote and, you know, they still had their cohorts where the interns got together. Um, you know, they got their, their, you know, some, some young people who were supposed to be moving, you know, to other States for the summer and getting housing and learning about, you know, like they missed that experience. And I hate that. I hate that for them, but I, I am also very proud that, some of those programs found found a way to make it work and found a way to still make it meaningful and build those connections and you know for them and who's to say that this isn't going to be what work is so you know while i'm sitting around thinking oh well, they're not getting the real experience well who's to say that this isn't going to be the experience and mm -hmm. I feel like they might be the right ones to, to tell us how to do it right. Because <laughs> um, again, like most, of, I mean, how many times have we been on a meeting and people are like, can you hear me? Can you, like we spend the first 15, can you hear me? Is my camera on? How's the light? Josh, Please. mute. Josh, you're not on mute. <laughs> Josh, 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 you're not on mute. Dang it. I hate when that happens. 
Um, yeah. Um, exactly. <laughs> All right. So talking, you know, talking about that, I think that's a good segue because, you know, the students, um, entry-level people, they're not getting the same types of experiences. Um, but what, what, are, what are we seeing with candidates now too? Are you seeing something different coming from them? Um, and, and not just because of the pandemic, but, you know, the recession and how do they look compared to, and I, I, I'll be honest, I don't remember what they looked like after 9-11 because that's just all shell shock. But, you know, how we were approaching jobs in 2008 compared to now, um, yeah, because I, you know, we were talking about the same stuff. Oh, you know, now I've got instead of having twenty candidates for this job, I have fifty candidates for this job. Because um, I, you know, like you, Josh, and I'm sure Kirsten and Tiffany, you saw it too. You have those positions where everyone and their dog applies for it, and now you have, you know, people with master's degrees applying for entry level jobs because they need a job. So, are you seeing anything different this time around with candidates? You know, one thing that I'm I'm seeing and actually pivoting on is is with the accessibility is also having to remind them of the professionalism that goes with video interviews still. Because sometimes they, they're like, oh, everybody's at, at home so I can be casual. This is still an interview. You know, you need to still need to put your best foot forward, which means putting your cat away in the other room. You know, trying to make sure that you're, you know, doing your video interview, not at a Starbucks with a steamer in the background, you know, um, you know, still being very thoughtful behind the process, along with the hiring leaders. You know, it, we use Microsoft Teams and you can change the, the backgrounds and people use Zoom and change their backgrounds and such. And they're inappropriate or you see part of their face because they, they put on a filter that doesn't accentuate, you know, what they're doing. You know, they've got their hair's cut off. I mean, not everybody can be almost bald like me, you know, and, and get away with it in their um, interview. But, you know, I, I spend time actually still coaching candidates and coaching leaders on how to pull off a successful interview. So that way the experience for both parties is on point the way that it would have been if we were in person. Um, right. So that's actually taking a little extra care um, versus just rolling with it the way that I see some going through it. That's one one major pivot I know that we've I've at least tried to take um, and you know do a little extra care in a uncommon situation because as Kirsten said, unlike you know the recession of 08, 09 or the attacks on 9/11, etc we didn't expect that to last. We're going to see, we're going to continue to see wave after wave after wave of uh, COVID and we need to adjust accordingly. Um, one thing that um, to bring us back just a few minutes, we talked about, you know, the working of remote. Um, I find myself early on laughing at the organizations that trimmed the work from home staff because they weren't there. And now everybody's at home and they're like, you got rid of all of this talent however long ago because you didn't want to work from home within your organizations and in your culture. Now, 70% of your staff is working from home. What did you lose? What, did, what, what cost did you incur in your organizations because of it? And now they're all like, oh yeah, we're all progressive now. We're all working from home. Come on. And you have everyone so on I, Zoom. I, I walk at that if you're in a few organizations. What's that? 
and the, and you have your people on zoom for eight hours. So you oh, make exactly. sure that they're sitting there and, and working. Yeah. I, that just, that's, that's one of those things that kills me. I think that's good, Josh, that, that you are helping coach both the candidate and, and the hiring manager. One of the things that we forget a lot of times, especially as recruiters is that people don't do this every day. Like we do, you know, we shouldn't expect them to be experts at selling themselves at marketing, at sales, at, at all this stuff, writing, a, you know, Oh, they didn't write a good cover letter. Who the hell reads a cover letter anyway? It's not a writing position. I, I do. Kirsten does. I do. I do on occasion. Ain't nobody got time for that. When I'm looking at 300 applications for one full-time position, no, 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 no. Look at when you look at an amazing resume, and you're like, "Why is this person applying for this job?" I go back to the cover letter, yeah. and I find out what their story is. I call um, them. And it, yes. I, I, yes, but there's the cover letter to, to reference you. as you're having that, that conversation. Yeah. And I, and you know, Josh, when you talk about, um, you know, helping people understand that despite being remote and, and doing all of these interviews and, and we need to still be professional, I think it's also important to let uh, recruiters, hiring leaders, HR business partners, let, you know, also introduce the, the human aspect of it, the, the kid that's going down to the coffee shop, that may be their only access to Wi-Fi. So Agreed. Agreed. We, we need to be cognizant. Yeah. So we need to be cognizant of all of that. Still, you know, saying, yes, take this seriously, just because you've got pajama bottoms on and a, and a, a sport coat on top doesn't, you know. I, Is that the I'm new COVID mullet? Yes, it is the new, it's the COVID mullet. A business mullet. I business mullet every single day. Business on top, shorts on the bottom. I'm okay with it. Every day. I Listen, I wish someone would. Honestly, I got tired. Um, I got tired of it. Um, And, you know, Wendy and Tiffany, you guys know, know me on Twitter. And I'm just like, I didn't even, like, one day I was like, I didn't even take my headscarf off. Like, I don't care. <laughs> I didn't. I, you know what? I don't care. Like, I, it wasn't that, like, I, I, and I wasn't, like, you know, you're unprofessional or you don't care about your job or, you know, you're a bad person. I'm just tired of pretending. Like, I was having a bad day. I didn't <laughs> feel like it. And I tell, and I, I got to the point where, Early, like probably a month or two in, you know, if you're doing seven, eight video things a day, your brain is like, and your eyes are tired and you're just, oh my goodness. So I would give the candidate the op- the the option, like if they turned their camera on, then I would, but I did, I didn't require it for a, you know, for a phone screen or no, but if they want to, that's fine. So I would turn it on. But that one day, like I said, like I wasn't dressed and I told the gentleman, I said, listen, if you want me to turn my camera on, I will, I get it. If you want, if you want to practice, you want to make eye contact. I was like, but I'm just going to be, I was like, I'm not dressed the way that you want me to be dressed. (laughs) I'm just not. And you know, I'm not like showing anything, you know, I'm very, modest when it comes to certain, you know, when it comes to dress, you know, 
And when it comes to my hair, like I think about those things. Um, but yeah, no, I'm not like I put on lipstick today, but this is not this is not the norm anymore. Um, but but, you know, like that used to be my my thing. You know, I'm like, oh, I get to go outside today. Like, I'm you know, I get to go to a meeting outside the house today. Like I'll get dressed up, you know, because for me, my work clothes were gym stuff, you know, and I can't expect again, people who like, if I'm just, if we're jumping on a call really quickly to, you know, go and get all dialed up. Like, I don't have that expectation for them. Um, I'm not going to put that on them. Like they may be doing the best they can that day. And I'm okay with that. Um, one thing I do um, stress to my, to my, uh, to job seekers or the folks that I coach specifically is to try and be transparent. Like you're not here alone. Like if you don't have Wi-Fi access, you know, between these times, don't schedule your calls at those times. Like let them know, like let them know what, when you do have the, have the availability, when you do have the time. And there are ways that, you know, we can maneuver our cameras and position them and, take things out. I mean, listen, especially for the, for some of the younger people who live on FaceTime, like that still drives me crazy. I have a niece that's getting ready to be 14 and she does not believe in not FaceTiming me. Like she does not, not text. Like she, I'm like, you could text me. You can call me. No FaceTime. I'm like, man, but that's, but again, that's a, that's a generational thing. So I have to get used to it. Um, you know, and again, when you're FaceTiming with your, with your friends or you're FaceTiming with someone like you know how to make that camera, like when you're taking your selfies, you know what to do. You have your ring light, you're ready. So do, <laughs> so do that for your interview too, man, you're getting a job. You're trying to get a job, put that same effort in. Uh, but again, it, in certain situations, like that job is their lifeline. That job that they're interviewing for is the thing that's going to help them change their situation so that yep. they don't have to go to the coffee shop, so that they don't have to sit in the car, so that they don't have to sit in the closet. Like, I've, I've seen folks, you know, and I'm like, the acoustics are better. Like, if we're going to be 100%, the acoustics are better in the bathroom. For, for <laughs> They are. They really are. The best acoustics are. I sound so good in the bathroom. <laughs> And the lighting in there is amazing. Amazing. Usually. So I think, you know, I think you're, you're on there, Kirsten, that, you know, we're the, as the, this new generation comes in, they're, they're going to be more adept at this anyway. So I think whatever we can do to help the candidates, to help our hiring managers make the, the adjustments that they need to say, you know, hiring manager, give, give them a little bit of grace if they're at Starbucks, but Hey, I'm going to coach you too. When, what's a quiet, do you know what the quiet time at your Starbucks is <laughs> so that we're not having, you know, the lineup at 8am of everyone in trying to get their pumpkin spice lattes. Oh God. No. Is it pumpkin spice time already? It is. Where have you been? <laughs> it is. I've been in, so unlike everyone else, I've been in the house. <laughs> <laughs> Kirsten, get the out. Only, the get only, out. The only good Girl, thing about pumpkin spice latte. I'm not, I, I am, listen, 
I'm not there. Okay, just checking. I'm in a red zone. No, no, no. Like I'm, I'm, I'm being like all jokes aside. Like I live in a red zone, and it's not the best for me. Because I get you. If I come down with COVID and I'm too weak to put it on Twitter. <laughs> I wouldn't do anyway. Like it would be days, possibly weeks, before like the everyone knew that I was not okay because you know. No, no, no. I would know. No, because those first couple of days, y'all would be talking bad about me. Like Kirsten's not responding to our text messages. This has, <laughs> has probably blocked me on Facebook and and Instagram. Where is she? She's probably got a little boyfriend or something. That's why we haven't heard from her. But no, I'm like laying on the couch sweating and like can't move i haven't eaten in four days and you guys just think i'm being a jerk so yeah well they got doordash if you haven't eaten in four days just order something but i, I gotta but i would have to get i would have to you know if she would have to move she would have to move her body in order to life alert we're gonna order we're gonna order you life alert kirsten Oh my goodness. Oh. But yes, it is pumpkin spice latte yeah. season, which means peppermint mocha season is on its way. Ooh, yeah. I'm very happy for you with your peppermint mocha. You yes. know what that all means, right? Hockey season. <laughs> okay. All right. We got it. We got it all figured out. We got it all figured out. It's still right. baseball season and Tiffany's not gonna let you encroach on her on her season. So they're in playoffs baseball. now, right? They're doing baseball playoffs. No, actually it's no. Stanley Cup playoff season. Stanley Cup. Okay. Yeah, Stanley I'm, Cup playoffs. I'm just all I mean, it's twenty twenty, so I don't know what's going on. It's all it's all mixed up. They just took all the sports, put it in a blender and see what the hell came out. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, NFL kicked off today. Did it? Really? Ooh. Yeah. That's nice. Sports go sports ball. Um <laughs> The the Washington sports team didn't play today. Okay. No. Oh my goodness. So we've been through this. We've been doing it, and I know I've talked with you guys about recruitment and crazy stuff. And you know, that's my brain is going in all sorts of crazy directions right now. So I want to know what is one big audacious change. I'm I'm talking. We are we're throwing all the sports in a blender, and we're coming out with hockey ball. Um, type of type of change. We're just throwing out all the rules and we're starting over. Um, Kirsten, I'm going to pick on you to go first. Oh, knowing what we know, things that we've done in the past and things that are just that, you know, there's things, you know, we hate job descriptions and we hate doing job that, postings. That, and, and we're not doing, so I'm going to, I'm going to cheat a little <laughs> uh, and pull the, and, and pull the, uh, the new rule that I, that I gave to Katrina Kibben. Um, we're not doing this following the process. We have to do three interviews before we make an offer bullshit anymore. We're not doing that. We're not doing that. People need to go to work and we need to move on quicker because again, the time frame that we have to do stuff has, is all messed up. We never know when we're going to be able to get in touch and do it. So no, if you interview the right person, make the offer the end. 
There is no better person out there. No, job offers on the spot. I mean, just no, you, you know what you, you know what your budget is. You know what an individual is worth. You know what they're going to be able to contribute. You have the conversation off from the job before they walk out the door. I love it. The other idea that I've literally just had is when you bring an intern into the organization, have them intern with the CEO and, and not this, you know, make my coffee crap, but like literally this is what it takes to, to run this business. I love it. I mean, it, 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 it'll, it'll stop that, that complaining about, you know, how, how people coming up are, are lazy and how, people at the top are are so entitled i mean there's just this this disparity between what what's actually done and understood and what you know what younger folks actually do understand and and perceive about what we do when we're in leadership roles so instead of having someone come in intern as an engineer have them sit side by side with the the business president tell me what you do all day and have that have that person you know truly intern and job shadow and, and understand what business is all about. And, and that's what we say about HR. HR, you have to know the business. You have to know the business. You have to know the business. We don't preach that at anybody else. You know, we're not telling accounting. You need to understand what HR does. Marketing, you need to understand what HR does. Engineers, oh my God, please try and understand what HR does. <laughs> Tiffany, I will, you will love this. We already do that. They're called fellowships. Fairview has them and they, they follow and they shadow uh, organizational leaders. And then we try to put them into upper, higher level, mid to high level opportunities in the organization once they're done. Um, we obviously can't do that all the time, you know, um, but you know, we want to get those that are in a clinical you know, role or want to be in a clinical role get them as as quickly to the bedside as we can because healthcare doesn't stop it's 24 7 365 right right and in healthcare you can do that and it should be done and I, I think things like that need need to be adopted in other industries you know and and to st- stop the mantra of you absolutely you have to earn your stripes I mean, my, my kid, he's my kid, he's 14. He's one of the, you know, smartest individuals I've met there. You know, if there are people like that, that have that, that, that brain, why are we going to force them to go through steps that are unnecessary when they have the skills, the abilities and the mentality to operate at a higher level? Um, how about I you, Josh? Josh? I didn't hear oh. Josh's said. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, um, my, my idea, actually, and it, and it parallels a lot. You know, the, the one thing that um, Wendy and I run into being that we're so highly regulated in healthcare um, through things like joint commission, we can't go through some of those uh, shortcuts, um, but we are doing um, some of them where we can, where rapid hires, um, we're doing, in a, you know, great ways to, to trim down that uh, time to hire. Cause we're all about the metrics and health in, 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 in HR, right? Please. Um, you know, we're doing that as much as we can in union environments. We can't get around that. Uh, I'm not going to go fight, you know, a union contract just because we're in a pandemic and we need to do rapid hires. I want to keep the, the union for, you know, people on my side cause they make my life easier. Um, if I'm not fighting them, um, you know, so, you know, we got to go through some of those, but in, in areas where we can, yes, 
we can, will, and do rabbit hires to get around that stuff. So um, it really gets into throwing the playbook out. Where can we make adaptations? Where can we make changes to expedite processes, make it easier, but at the same point, still guarantee that they're getting a positive experience? Because you can make all the shortcuts you want. And if it's still, Kirsten, plug your ears, shitty, <laughs> it doesn't matter. The shortcuts don't matter. So make sure that the, quali- that, the, that the moves that you make are quality, that they're still improving the experience for everybody all the way around. The hiring leaders, the new hires, the current staff, um, because it's your customers in whatever industry you are, that they're going to get the benefit, you know, the dividends out of it. And then the organization in the back end gets it through revenue, et cetera, uh, longevity of their business. So. Exactly. No, cause I think, you know, one of the things that I've said for a long time is, is we, we put in applicant tracking systems and we think it's going to make life better, but we don't actually look at the process. We just make it faster. So we've, we've just speeded up a fat, a, a bad process. Um, my big audacious idea is seriously, we're going to stop asking for applications up front. Put them, let's find out your skills. Let's find out what you can do before we find out what your education and your 20, how many years of experience is. Because too many times, and I'm guilty of this too, because you have so many applications to go through, you don't have time to really read it, really take it in. You look at job titles. So... And Wendy, that's not recruiting, that's processing. I know, I get it. I mean, I get it. But... I mean, we've, we've been there and I'm sure I, I, you guys have all been there where it's just like, I don't have time to actually recruit. I just have to process this paper through. So let's put some fun on it. Find some AI, some gamification. Cause there's a, I mean, we're training, we're training medical assistants on Fortnite type games right now. Wow. They're getting trained online and they can go take care of people in six months. Nice. I know. And it's cheap and they're out there and they're certified. Why can't we do that? Make it short because, you know, I don't want people sitting there for half an hour. So 10 minutes max. And then we kind of help guide you to, okay, you got this kind of score in our game. There's no pass or fail. It's you got this kind of score. Check out these jobs. Because we call our recruiters talent advisors. Would you search for a talent advisor if you wanted to be a recruiter? No. No. I, I, job titles matter and they don't matter at the exact same time. We all know. <laughs> so there's, I mean, so that, that's my big thing right now. I'm, I'm doing research into it. I'm checking it out to see how would that work. You do get the application eventually in my, in my big idea because you do need it. You have to do background checks. You have to do all of that kind of stuff. But why are we asking for someone to spend 25 minutes telling us their life history when we don't even know if they have the right skills to do the job? We've actually explored a very similar idea. Um, yeah. You know, obviously you can't do it with a neurosurgeon. Um, <laughs> doing, That's a little different. Doing Fortnite, you know, uh, application. Um, right. Probably not a great idea. Um, proctologist, no, not another, no. not a good, another, no. But environmental services? Yeah. Food services? You know, yep. HR? Um, I would encourage everyone oh, to watch what, this. What about Oregon Trail? Ooh, even better. Oh my Can God. you survive? TK died of dysentery. Yeah. <laughs> died of dysentery. Early on. Yeah, dysentery, you go to EVS. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> well, but, supply chain. You, you go to you go to each fort. You gotta you know buy your supplies. So your 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 supply chain. No, I so Nike has this at the beginning of their application process where you answer some you know, the Disney princess questions, would you rather do this or this type of questions? And then they give you a list of jobs that you might be interested in. The rest of their application process is pretty similar to the traditional process, but I, we, I've shared that in my office. I'm like, we need to do something like this to help people get to the right jobs so that they know, you know, cause we ask people all the time, what do you want to do? Well, I don't know. What do you have? What are my opportunities? What options do I have here? I don't know that. So what do you want to be when you grow up? Yeah, I don't know. I just want to work. I want to be retired. That's what I want a paycheck. <laughs> a PTO. Oh, all right. So now I want to close. This has been so much fun, you guys. This has been a, a fantastic conversation. But I want us to close with each one piece of advice that you would give to people who are currently looking for a job during this awesome time that we're in right now. Um, so, Tiffany, I'll pick on you to go first. I don't think I've picked on you for a while. One piece of advice for people searching, I, I, I think it, it would be very similar um, to any, th- any other time really. And that's just, you know, be honest with yourself about who you are, what your abilities are and what your aspirations are and, and don't compromise. Do not take a job just because it's offered, you know, have your, your, do this, you know, what are the pros and cons? What are, what is it that you really want to be doing? And does this align? Now, if, if, Granted, if you have the ability to to wait and forego that that income, um, but if you're a job seeker, do not compromise. Do not just take a job to take a job. Josh, can I give two? Oh, yeah. of course you are breaking the rules. No, <laughs> of course, of course. Um, tip number one: hashtag job hunt chat Monday nights <laughs> nine or eight p.m. Central. Perfect. Yes. <laughs> that. I'm just going to start with that. Uh, for those of you that don't know that are catching this, it's a weekly job advice chat. Uh, I'm the lead moderator. I've got a lot of good friends across the country who are uh, contributing to it on a regular basis. Uh, it brings together um, job seekers and job pros um, to bring ideas to the forefront and help everybody out. So that's one. Um, two, follow your passions. Life's too short. Um, you know, uh, a good friend of ours, John Jorgensen in uh, Illinois Sherm, you know, said it best. Don't suck <laughs> to, a, to a keynote speaker friend of mine. I mean, just plain straight out to a keynote speaker that was making, I think, $40,000 for an hour presentation. He just walked up and said, don't suck. It's the same thing for a job seeker. If you follow your passion, the suckage will dissipate. Follow your passion. Don't suck while you're doing and all will be right with the world. I know that's all puppies and rainbows, but seriously, it works. Love it. All right, cool. Can you follow, follow that, Kirsten? <laughs> don't stop. Don't suck, Kirsten. Don't suck. Yeah. Don't do it. Hey, Kirsten, <laughs> by the way, don't suck. So um, <laughs> my advice is um, <laughs> to not suck. <laughs> To follow your passion, to to um, apply for the jobs and go after the jobs that you really want, not the job that you think you can get. That is the best advice that I can give anyone. Because yes, we have to get out of that mindset of, I just want a job. Because 
there are jobs, you can have them. Go for the job that you want, not the job you think you can get. Uh, I love it. I love it. No, I, wonderful advice as always. Um, I, I loved it. This was, this was so much fun. I know we could have gone on for, for hours going back and forth on, on different ideas. And it's, I mean, I think, I, I, I think the, the thing just to leave everyone with here is we can be better. We can grow from this recession. We have to grow from it because it's a different world. You know, from the, the first two, there was a lot of similarities in the world. We didn't have all the technology that we have now. I do think that things are going to change. Um, and so it's up to us as HR professionals to keep that, that change moving forward. And I think we can really push that in recruitment. We are that first point of contact for so many people. Um, and, you know, some hiring managers, we're the only HR people they ever interact with. So um, <laughs> we get to set the stage. And um, I, I think that's, um, it's a good thing. It's always a good thing. So um for those listening who don't know you guys, um, we'll go around the room and you guys can please let our listeners know how uh, the best way to get in touch with you. Kirsten. I am on all social media at Trap Recruiter. Josh. Uh, you can find me, JRock6 on Twitter. You can uh, find me at Job Hunt Chat. You'll see me there all the time. Uh, LinkedIn, you, you name the platform, I'm on it. Uh, I'm easy. There are not many uh, Josh that have this ugly mug, uh, <laughs> find me, message me. If you stalk me, I'm going to call you. So just <laughs> be ready. Tiffany. <laughs> and I am on LinkedIn, Tiffany Keel. Um, and also on the Twitters, the handle is at Tiffany Keel. And we'll have this all in the show notes. Um, for everyone to to be able to connect with you guys. Um, you can find me on the Twitters, Wendell93, um, and also the, for the second and fourth Sunday of each month, you will please join us on Twitter for the uh, twice-monthly HR, HR Social Hour Twitter chat. Uh, we have a lot of fun. Every Thursday, a new podcast episode comes out. And John and I are looking to do more of these panel interviews as well. We have a lot of fun with the first two we did. Um, I think we're, we're working on one, doing maybe some crisis management. Uh, seems to be a hot topic right now. I don't know why, but get your emergency management planned. Um, so that will be, we'll share that. Um, and please follow John as well. He is J-O-N underscore Thurman, T-H-U-R-M-O-N-D. We did miss you tonight, John, um, but we had a lot of fun. <laughs> had a lot of fun talking about recruitment, um, learning from these great folks. Um, love talking to fellow Gen Xers. I'm just going to say it. Um, Gen X is the number one generation. Um, and we have to say it because apparently everyone else forgets about us. Anyway, thank you all for joining us. Uh, this is Wendy and for the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast, go tell your own story. Bye.